Combo's here, the voice, the host of Combo's Court. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. You are Combo Nation. That's right. Combo Nation. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 311 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. And of course, punch down on that follow button. Today's show, Cole Huff, NBA and WNBA writer for The Athletic, joins in to talk basketball with Combo. Cole formerly played for Creighton, the G League, and overseas. A great conversation with Cole. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find Cole on Twitter and Instagram at Cole Hoops. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. And catch me on Twitter at Combos Court. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Share it on IG. Would greatly appreciate it. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Clayton, G League, top league turkey. What am I missing, man? What am I missing from your career? Talk to you, man. Welcome to Combo's Court, though. Welcome to Combo's Court. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, glad I can join you. I don't know. I mean, you're not missing much. You, I mean, Creighton's the big one. Turkey was the next biggest one. Everything else is everything else. But I played in the G League for a year. Um, I was in Greensboro with the Swarm uh, immediately after uh, college. Well, actually, I, I, was in, uh, I was in Greece for like a month before I came back, went to G League, and I went to second division Spain a year after that, and then I ended up in Turkey, and that's yeah. where we stopped. Okay, okay. So when did you make that shift in your mind? You wanted to start gearing towards media and away from playing? Yeah, so, I mean, while I was in Turkey, which was 2019-2020 um, season, um, my agent and I had been talking. He I guess he had some connections. Um, I kind of, I, I live in the Vegas area. That's important for the story. I live in the Vegas area. I wanted to come back during the summertime and intern with the Las Vegas Aces, WNBA team. Um, and he had some connections there and we we were making that work with them. But of course the, the pandemic hit, my season in Turkey is over. So I come back home, they go to the bubble. So that's kind of out of the picture. Um, and then just as things were just slow and, and taking forever to kind of develop over, uh over the the quarantine over the pandemic i kind of picked up on freelance writing um i was a journalism major when i was in college and um that was always something i liked i, I wrote for a school newspaper my wife really um you know she suggested i get into it just while i had some free time i did that stuff was still slow with basketball um i wasn't i wasn't really feeling it i mean i i, I don't know if you know this i've had like I don't even know, five, four or five knee surgeries on my body. I've had three. Okay. 
Yeah. So, so you I know, know how it is. is. Eventually, yeah. you know, your body starts to, you know, it, it's a challenge to, to, you know, get to where you want to get to and, and get ready for games, get ready for practice. So I was kind of just, you know, I, I dipped into the media lane. It was good to me and kind of just roll with it. You know, it was a good way for me to still stay involved with the game that I love and yeah, just, just, you know, get early started in a new career. It must be a breath of fresh air. I mean, look, I love playing overseas, but I think the big reason why I eventually came back and I did spend a long time over there was just that I really wanted to live in America. And when you're playing overseas, I think people don't understand you live there. It's not like a vacation. It's not like four or five weeks. Like there's eight to 10 month seasons. Right. Right. And that, that exactly. That was one of the biggest things to me. Um, I got, I got married um, this past April. Um, but for that whole time before when she was my girlfriend, um, you know, she wouldn't come with me. She had a job here. So it was kind of hard for her to just, or for me to get her to just, you know, up and leave her job and come follow me around the world, which would have been great and all, but like, yeah, I completely understand she has her own thing going here. So the more and more of those seasons went on as well, like you said, like I'm there for eight, 10 months. Um, you know, you, you grow a little bit older, you know, start thinking about getting married. You want to have a family, just all that ties into the decision. And it's like, you know, it's going to happen eventually. So, you know, I just got an early start on it. I figured it was kind of, I'm not going to say the pandemic was a blessing, but I really had a chance to sit down and relax and yeah. not be at the gym all day, every day. And I can kind of figure out what I want to do after basketball. And it just kind of came to me like that. Yeah. I mean, playing overseas, great experience, but it's also great uh, living in America. So you have great insight when it comes to the Turkish BSL league. And as you know, most 18 year olds, 19 year olds, they're sitting on the end of the bench. So how impressive was that? for you to see an 18 year old like Alfred Shagun win MVP of that league? Man, just the whole, I mean, I, I try to, people don't really understand what it's like to play overseas basketball unless they're, you know, actually in it, as you know. And they always, they always ask me what the competition is like and what the players are like, are they any good? Is it better than the G League? And I'm like, honestly, um, the way that, you know, the team chemistry, um, the team unison, the guys have been together for so long. Um, there's not a lot of individuals um, in, in these in these leagues. And I, I compare it to like almost like college where, you know, the, the, the top schools, each game matters. They take everything super seriously. Um, there's a lot of structure. There's not a lot of just pick up ball style. And the, the talent is unreal. I mean, you can see it when you watch the NBA, all the, the guys that are coming from overseas. Obviously, you've got your, your Lucas and your... Jokic and, and all the top guys, Giannis. And I, I, I tell people all the time, like there's 18, 19 year old guys that are just waiting. They might be at the end of the bench of the first division. They might be in the second division getting ready. But like you you can tell when you get there, you know, which guys are, are going to be good and which guys are going to develop. And man, those, those guys are good. They, they know the game, they're skilled and uh, they play the game the right way. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So as a player, you never want to overreact to your own performance, but in the media, you kind of got to react after two or three games of basketball, which in reality doesn't make too much sense, but you do have to write about it. I have to talk about it. So, I mean, when we're looking at the Lakers, what adjustment do you think they would have to make? I always felt, and this sounds kind of crazy, but I actually heard Mo Dakil of The Athletic mention this about maybe two days ago. Something I've been saying for since Russ signed with the Lakers is that he needs to play like, in my opinion, sounds crazy like a Bruce Brown type role because mm. LeBron's going to have the basketball. He's not really going to space the floor. 
And if he embraces that type role, like a rim running big, I think he could get 20 to 25 points as a role player and even help them more. What are your thoughts on that? How do you think the Lakers should use Russ's skill set? He's in a weird situation. So you, you want him to be different because you want him to fit in and, and help the team. But as we saw in the first game, like they had him camped on the perimeter a lot. He wasn't super aggressive, kind of selective with what he was doing. Right. And like, that's great for a role player, but like Russ isn't, he's not that guy. He's not going to spot up and make a bunch of threes. And, you know, I feel like he gets himself going by tapping into that mindset, being super aggressive, you know, he'll, but obviously that can lead to, you know, a lot of turnovers, a lot of, a lot of things we've grown accustomed to seeing with Russ playing that certainly doesn't work alongside LeBron. Um, but I think speaking of Bruce Brown, um, I watched Eric Bledsoe, Terrence Mann, I don't, uh, a number of other guys, but they can use him as a screener uh, where yeah. he goes, sets the ball screen for Braun, short roll. And when the double hard hitch comes, they throw it to him, he gets downhill and yeah. makes a play. I mean, I, I would take a look at that and, and surround them. You know, you got Malik Monk out there. Emily Davis likes the space, uh, Ken Baysmore, whoever else, just kind of kind of work it in that way to just get Russ on the move, um, you know, have him make a, a quick decision rather than just sit on the perimeter with the ball in his hands and, and try to do too much. Yeah, I think we were all expecting maybe a slow start from them, but, but when then once the slow start happens, like everybody goes crazy, like, oh, right. what's happening with the Lakers? Yeah, I I mean, it's expected. I mean, yeah, as, as, as much as... I mean, LeBron, I think LeBron is the, is the GOAT. I don't know how you feel about that. And like, I think so, too. I, I go I back I go back and forth, but I just, I mean, look, all-around basketball player, LeBron's the best. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I think for as great as he is, like, the, the Lakers, this will be, like, the third or fourth year in a row now. Ever since he came to L.A., they have a new team every year. You know, they have nine new players this year. Last year, they brought in uh, Wesley Matthews, Trez, Dennis Schroeder, the year before that, it was JaVale McGee, Ron, you know, like it's a new team every year. So it's it's going to take them time. Um, obviously, super talented. Of course, they're going to everyone's going to overreact because it's the Lakers, it's LeBron. Uh, L.A. is like one of the, the biggest markets for basketball. So like I get it. Um, but there are some there are some red flags there. But at the same time, I wouldn't I wouldn't panic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. To me, they're still legit contenders. I don't know if you noticed this. But LeBron and Giannis are obviously at different points of their career. But very early on, if you just look at the way they're shooting the basketball, I've seen some improvement in both of them. I don't know if you've seen the same as well. A hundred percent, especially, I mean, we saw it a lot with Giannis in the preseason. Um, he's definitely more aggressive now. Um, I don't know if he's making them as much as he was in those, in those preseason games. Um, but his shot looks smoother. It's not as much as a, of a hitch or like a, a two-step process in the shot. He's confident. I think yeah. that winning the championship kind of unlocks a who cares in you and you just go do things, which is great. And then Bron, um, this is the best I've ever seen him shoot the ball. Um, right. There's always been a, a question with his free throws, uh, kind of his form. He, he changes things up a lot. But this looks like it's low-key one of the strongest points of his parts of his game right now. I mean, he could pass, obviously, super strong, but he's shooting the ball effortlessly. He's just flicking his wrist. It's online, barely yeah. touching the net. Like, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, you know this. I mean, you play ball. Like, some of those shots that he's making look easy are really tough off the dribble threes. And, I mean, that's NBA. Like, those are tough shots. Those are not easy shots he's making. And he's making them look effortlessly. And it's kind of crazy for a guy that shooting was not always his strongest point, you know? Yeah, I, I wonder. I, I'll ask you this. Do you think that's him recognizing 
where his game, where his body is at, at this point in his career where he needs to adjust. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, he's going to make a, that's why I think honestly, like somebody asked me like how many more years he, do I think he could play for? I think at least five, probably more because he's just going to keep making little adjustments and yeah, his athleticism will decline, but his athleticism was such a, at such a high point. Right. I mean, look, two, three years from now, what is he going to be like an average NBA athlete four years? Like right. he's still going to make adjustments with still his skill be level. And strong his, too. You know, yeah. and he's one of the best passers in the game. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's just going to keep making adjustments if he wants to still play. I don't know how long he's going to play for. Have you ever put any thought into that? I haven't. I mean, I know I've heard the things about how he wants to play with his son um, yeah. whenever yeah. that has opportunity to happen. But I don't know. I, I mean, as long as he stays healthy and he's still LeBron James, I would imagine he's going to play for a little while. I, I can't really see him dropping off to like a 12 point per game score, terrible efficiency. Like, right, right, right. I, I just can't see it, but you know, maybe it will happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, at Jordan, like, I mean, I said at Jordan at 40, I mean, Jordan was looking pretty good out there. He was getting like what 40 mm-hmm. point games. I mean, LeBron will be able to do that. And um, yeah, he'll, I think honestly he could play for a while longer, but I wanted to shift the nets. I watched him play against the Hornets today. Um the defense was bad, Cole. I'll tell you that. I wasn't known for my defense, uh, <laughs> no, but I'll either. tell you. Don't worry. <laughs> but, yeah, man, defense was not good. It, it was really bad. It's funny. Dash was uh, – he used the word there's some degree of randomness at the end of games that Ish Smith went off. But but the defense was bad, so it, it wasn't too random. It's just you guys weren't getting stops. And I love Nash's press conferences. That, that was an interesting comment. But um, do you think they're still legit – contenders without Kyrie? I think so, because at the end of the day, you have James Harden and Kevin Durant. You, yeah. you know, you, you count on them delivering when it matters most. And I think that especially Durant is still in his prime. Um, I, I like to think that James Harden is too, but obviously he was banged up last year in and out. He hasn't shown all of it this year um, yet through three games, which is still pretty early I'm sure he can get back to what he was but you know so as long as you have have those two I I, you know they can make it work but there's a lot of I know like you said Steve Nash said randomness that happened with uh, with the other Smith scoring and stuff but there's randomness on the nets like what are you going to get from Blake Griffin what are you going to get from Paul Millsap Lamarcus Aldridge Um, I mean Patty Mills has probably been one of their their better players so far this year and it's just like you you don't know what you're going to get. And I think watching the game today, you look on on both sides of the court, it's like a lot of seasoned vets, older legs. You have a lot of young energy. Um, the young energy and the, and the young legs tends to get you through the regular season. Um, but in, in the playoff times, you know, I think that the Nets and their veteran players that they brought in, they'll figure it out. I don't know second year of the Steve Nash tenure, if, you know, if he's going to make that step as a coach to make the necessary adjustments. But uh, I, I think it's still early. Obviously nobody's panicking with them, but losing Kyrie is a, is a, is a, that's obviously that goes without saying that's a huge loss, but I still think at the end of the day, those two can, they can figure it out and get, at least get through the East. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the East, uh, I, I don't want to stay on Ben Simmons for too long, but you know, mm-hmm. Joel, he's uh He's saying he doesn't really care. And now that Ben's his brother all of a sudden, and it seems like, it seems like he keeps going back and forth. I mean, how would you feel if you were Ben's teammate right now? Like, what would be your mindset? 
I mean, I would, I would get it. Like, I understand the position that Ben is in. He doesn't want to be here. He's kind of taking a lot. Uh, the organization isn't really helping him out. Um, so I understand that. But then I think that at a certain point, like now the season is here and now, okay, we need either you're in or you're out. It's going to be a distraction every day in the media, you know? So like once it gets to a certain point in the season, you kind of, I'd be kind of over it at this point. Like, man, this yeah. is, it's kind of too much, but like, it's, it's hard to say because I'm, you know, it wouldn't be the, it's not the first time a, a player has requested a trade. So that's, that's normal. I don't know. Yeah. How, how do you feel about the situation? I, this is how I feel. This is a, probably a weird take, but like, let's say me and you were teammates, right. And we're, we have a pretty good relationship and you're saying that you're not coming back. Like all this stuff, like everything that happened with Ben is happening with you. And then I see you show up in practice, bro. I'm going to start laughing. Like yeah. really all that for nothing. Like if we had a good relationship, you know, like you did all that and now you're back here. Uh, but I mean, we're a little bit past that now, but that would be my reaction to bed. Like, so is that on, more, man. is that more on Ben Simmons or is that on Rich Paul and clutch and yeah, who, wrong advice? Oh, man, I think, I, I think Ben has to be driving this. Like, I think he really doesn't want to be there in my opinion, you know, like yeah. he's just, he doesn't want to face the fans. He doesn't want to really be with that team. I think, you know, with a new environment, there's you create new habits there's truth to that like I do think he needs a new experience and a change of scenery and I'm with him on that but man this situation is crazy because there's no out for him the, the market isn't there for him right now because we're in the beginning of the season where everybody's optimistic about their teams and they're not going to give too much up for him for a guy you have to build around and I've been high on Ben like for a long time like me too. to me like elite defender yeah. elite vision elite, elite athlete all NBA player like people forget like this guy is one of the best yeah. basketball players in the world you know Social social media, uh, social media kind of ruins that for him, you know. But like you said, elite, elite two way player. I mean, you can say what you want about shooting and stuff. He's an all NBA performer, I believe, all defensive team, all star, probably one of the top three to five perimeter defenders. Like especially when you throw in his size and the the, the number of positions he can guard. Like he's a really good basketball player, you know. And and Philadelphia eventually they're going to need his production on the court throughout the season. You figure, you know, the players that they have in B knock on wood, but he gets hurt every year. He's going to miss an, uh, an extended period of time. And, you know, you're going to need someone more than just Tobias Harris and having to rely on Seth Curry to turn into his brother, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you there on all of that. It'd be just so crazy if he came back and they won a championship. <laughs> uh, it'd be a weird, it'd be, they'd have to make a documentary about the whole season. Like a little 30 for 30. That would be insane. All right. Um, I really don't understand what the Suns are doing exactly with the DeAndre Aiden thing. I think we talked about this before when the contract negotiations were stalled, but now they just don't want to max him. And I think if there was 29 other teams, I could be wrong. Who knows? I think like if 29 other teams just made the finals and they had to max Aiden, they probably would. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You could tell me if you think uh, I'm sound, wrong, no, but that sounds logical. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, what did you make of that situation? I think it's weird. Like they just went to the finals. Like you said, he's 20, whatever, four, 25, whatever years old. He looked amazing. He, he took his game to another level in the playoffs. Um, the, the defensive anchor, him and Mikael Bridges. Like, I, I don't understand I, I think I read something where it might be like, if they pay him the max, extend him for the max now, like something about the luxury tax going forward. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know all the details about that side of the basketball game, but 
common sense says a young player in in his prime, beginning his prime, incredible size and athleticism, incredible two-way player. He yeah. just was part of a core that got you to the to the NBA finals. Uh, I, I think it's a no-brainer. And then it looks even weirder um, when, I mean, Mikel Bridges, love him. Uh, he deserved every penny that he got. But then you bring in Landry Shamit, who you just traded for, extend him immediately. Right. It's like, okay, well, some, something's going on that we don't know, I'm assuming. But it's a weird situation. I would, I, I would think they get his money. Yeah, yeah. The Landry Shamit is, is interesting. I mean, I'm happy for anybody getting their money. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting. Look, two teammates, right? Mike James and Landry Shamit were teammates. To me, this kind of shows the difference between NBA basketball and overseas basketball. You could might disagree with me. Mike James is the better basketball player, but Landry Shamit fits an NBA role so much better. And there's just so many more spots for players like Landry, in my opinion, you know? I, I completely agree. I mean, if you just watch highlights of the two of them, you, you know, if you didn't know anything about basketball, you would think that Mike James was the one that was in the NBA still making the contract that, that Shamit just got. But that's, uh, it's all about opportunity and fit. And like you said, uh, Shamit definitely fits. A better role as a, as a floor spacer has off-ball yeah. gravity, um, probably a better defender. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's basketball. Yeah, yeah. I always just thought I just thought of that. Like, well, I didn't just think about it. I've been thinking about it. like it's just an interesting case study with them two. With like one guy is to me a clearly better player, but he happens to be overseas, and one guy is just a better fit with superstars in a way. You know, like as you said, floor spacing. Um, do you, did you pay any attention to this NBA seventy-five anniversary team? They didn't really call it like, you know what I noticed? They didn't really call it the top 75 players. They just said it was the right. anniversary, you know, uh, 75, whatever. But uh, any notable snubs to you, like somebody that you really thought should have been on the on the team? I mean, I think the the biggest one that was everyone's talking about was Dwight Howard. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's crazy. As good as he was in his prime Orlando, even in the, you know, he was okay for the Lakers, but he's still really good, still pretty good and. Houston for the first couple of years but like I I think that's a that's kind of disrespectful to have him not on that list for for all that he's accomplished um I don't know what what all that's about did Paul George end up making it I don't think so I think he got snubbed too yeah I'm a a Clippers fan I don't know I'd have to take a look at the rest of the list to see who made it over him um but I, I think just you know if he has another year or two or three, maybe playing like how he's played so far this year, how he did early in Indiana, how he did last year in the playoffs. I think he'll be a lock for something similar down the road, but maybe he just needs a couple more years of it. Yeah, most definitely. You mentioned Paul George, and I hear many people saying that Paul George is a legit number two, but isn't that how you build around a player? Depends on if they're a number one or number two. Like, that's what I always think about. Like, why do we have to peg guys as number ones or number twos? Like, I think there is a world where Paul George could be the best player on the championship team, right? I think so. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know why he wouldn't be. Maybe just because we haven't seen it yet, people don't want to believe it. I think that's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Nah, most definitely. Most definitely. Cole, great stuff. Uh, you're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find your work with The Athletic? Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Yeah, like you said, um, you can find my work with The Athletic. Um, just type in my name, Cole Huff, The Athletic, a bunch of articles will pop out. I have a, a weekly column uh, going out there, usually every Tuesday uh, during basketball season. Um, I just started writing for uh, a site called Bet for the Win. That's okay. Bet FTW. Um, 
and they're a branch of USA Today Sports, where I cover NBA, college basketball, all types of sports betting. Um, so you can find me there as well. Uh, where else? If you're a Clippers fan, uh, I write for a website called 213 Hoops. Um, you know, same same deal as The Athletic, kind of hop on once a week and talk what I got to talk about. Um, WNBA season's not in, but I also write for Franchise Sports Media. I wanted to shout them out. Shout out to Las Vegas Aces, even though they didn't get the job done. It was a hell of a season. And then, uh, yeah, just on social media, you can find me at Cole Hoops, C-O-L-E-H-O-O-P-S. You can find me at that same tag or that same name on Instagram, even though I'm not on there as much. And, uh, yeah. At Twitter as well? Too. For Cole Hoops? What? Cole Hoops, yep. At tw- on Twitter? Yep. Got yep. you. Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Cole, thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Thank you to Cole for joining in on this episode. Combo Nation, leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app. The Apple Podcast app has a follow button, so punch down on the follow button. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to Combos Court and share this episode with a friend. Share it on Twitter. Facebook, LinkedIn, share it on your IG stories and tag me at one, two combo on Instagram. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 312. Be on the lookout for episode 312. Combo out.